It's the Craft Beer Radio pre-show. Yes, it is. Hi, everybody. I sound a little low. Is it just me? It's probably not you, just you. Yeah. Okay. Hi, everybody. Hello. 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 Hi. Hi. That's it. Guten Tag. <laughs> That's it. That's all. Nothing else to talk about, really. Hey. Yo. All right. So we're back. This is the what the second week of November. So it's c- c- cold out it there. It is cold. And I'm not sure when this show's going to go. We might put up the Monday show next, right? As 309. I'm trying to figure out how to. This might be the banked one, right? This one might actually be uh, 311. Really? Well, we're going to have 309. Right. And we probably want to to serve if this comes out later to serve our guest uh you know the the launch week festivities it'd be nice to get that out monday right okay i see what you're saying so 309 then might as well do next saturday's show put that one out so this one could actually be 311 <laughs> all right but we could put this out as the pre-show to the next to to 310 Oh, we could do that, too. You know, I mean, this could be the pre-show to 309. The people will complain that there's no pre-show to 311. We'll do it as a post-show to th- after. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm, I'm, now I'm confused. All right. So this is the pre-show to 309? Yes. Why not? Okay. And well, main show? Maybe. We'll see what happens when we get there. The potential pre-show to 309. So I guess we can talk about what we're doing. Right? Yes. I mean, yeah, because by the time this goes out. Yeah, it'll definitely be how it happened. So, yeah, so um, Lost Abbey's coming to town next week to launch the market. Um, They signed a deal with uh, Wilson McGinley, the wholesaler here in town. And um, Tommy Arthur's flying out. And I had the idea. So it actually was my second one of these ideas. But I had the idea of doing a... um, co-hosted show mm-hmm. where it's not just an interview like we've done before but actually just do a show have a guest on the show and have that guest be tommy arthur right no big deal right <laughs> no big deal just just tommy arthur on the show and that's kind of how i want to play it i don't want to be starstruck mm-hmm. I, I i don't want to ignore him for who he is but i i just want i mean he's an expert brewer expert beer taster right i want to have that on the show to evaluate with us. That's the main thing I want, right? And then there's all kinds of... Yeah, there's great... There's, there's going to be a slight difference. Like I explained to, I explained to Jeff, or I didn't explain, I told Jeff I was thinking about this on, on the uh, IMs, that uh, it's going to be a slight different thing. It, we've only done this once with another brewer, with an actual other brewer, mm-hmm. and um, I kind of <laughs> noticed, you know, when Scott was on, that he was having trouble doing the part where it's ranking. And I'm like, well, I understand. He's in the business. Right. He doesn't want to have to rank well, I, I don't think we should not let him do it. I no, think, I think, I think should... before the show starts, we'll explain to him what we do. Yeah. And then he can decide whether he wants to participate or yeah. just, you know, maybe his recap is just talking about what he likes about every beer, right? And not necessarily putting him in order. You know, it all depends on what he's comfortable with. But yeah, I mean, it's a good idea to warn him that's coming. Yeah. Before the show starts, and he can decide what he wants to do. And, and to say, you know, we would totally understand if you don't feel like participating in the ranking part. So, I mean, it's a, it's a conflict of interest, really. So, I, t- I understand him not wanting to do it. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, yeah, so we're going to be recording the show Monday afternoon at Smoke and Joe's <coughs> before his 4.30 Smoke and Joe's event, his release event. And uh, if everything goes to plan, yeah, we'll put the show up Monday, Monday night, Tuesday morning, something like that. And uh, you get to hear that. And this might be the pre-show for that. Um, and then and next week, we're doing the same thing with Lou Bryson. Lou Bryson, former beer writer, now whiskey author. Just has, He's doing a book tour for his new whiskey book. And he's coming to Pittsburgh. And I... Started this whole idea again. Started out as just the regular old interview. I was going to interview him Saturday morning down at Wiggle Whiskey, and we started, you know, talking a little bit. And I'm like, "Hey, if you'd want to be on the show, like how we have Nick on the show or something, right? That'd be cool." And that was the initial idea of not doing an interview or a spotlight, but just have the dude on the show. And and Lou was was really up for it. You know, we just had to make it work, right? Make sure no one drove when they were too drunk. So we worked out. We're doing it at East End Brewing after the Barrel H Beer Fest. Um, so <laughs> it could be an interesting show. <laughs> um, and it's almost an oxymoron from, or uh, it's almost the opposite of what I just said about driving not being too drunk. But we're gonna work things out. Um, if if need be. Or you know, we got Lyft and we got Lyft and Uber in town now, so we might we'll pay for uh, lose Uber to get him around. Um, yeah, so that will be a fun one too. So we're going to have some two special guests on the show, and I'm pretty excited about this. Even though it hasn't actually happened yet, I'm pretty excited about the format. I mean, I'm imagining a show like we have when we have guests like Nick, mm-hmm. but you know, with these beer industry people, and I think that will make a really neat dynamic on the show so i'm excited we'll see how they turn out and um if they turn out half as good as i imagine we'll probably be doing more of them so that's that's the update on that for for those of you who listen to this two weeks from now or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah when it comes out yeah. <laughs> in the middle of december i just purchased this because i uh, got some extra money because i went to richmond and so, you know, per diems and all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, it, uh, it, I was getting ready to replace my iPhone 5, and I figured, why not just go all out? So this is an iPhone 6 Plus, 128-gigabyte version. Mm-hmm. It is uh, a beautiful, beautiful phone. It is. I mean, you were mentioning how this is the tablet you've always wanted, right? Yeah. And when I'm holding it here in landscape mode, it is. It it's not a phone. It's not a mini device. It is a tablet, and it's it's the perfect size. It I mean the iPad is is just too big for me. The iPad Mini was, I mean it was a good size, but I thought it was a little large. This is the perfect mm-hmm. tablet size. Text is is readable. Fantastic screen. To, to me, I can operate it one handedly very easily. I have nice big movable mm-hmm. thumbs, so mm-hmm. that that helps too. But I don't necessarily hold at the bottom like you do with a traditional phone. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's great, and for the amount of time that I spend, you know, on the toilet or something, or or waiting in a line or whatever, mm-hmm. it's great for that. I was trepidatious about getting a big phone, you know, when it first came out, and then you know I saw it in the store, I was like, God, that's too big. But then. Damien got one, and I was playing with it, and it felt 
right. It felt like this doesn't feel as absurdly large yeah. as I thought it would when I was holding it. And now I have it, and immediately I love it. It, it. I don't even have to. I don't even feel like I have to get used to it. I feel like I already love it. Already I've never used the slow motion feature until just now. That's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, the camera and the mm-hmm. sixes. Does, does five have slow motion? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and then the last seconds back to normal speed. I, I see what they do. They kind of do this comp- this slow down compression. That's weird. I haven't even played with that yet. I've just been. Using it as normal. There's one aspect that I don't like, and it's not the phone. It's really it's the Touch ID. It used to be when you unlocked it, you could set a time period for like you know, I'm unlocking it, and it will go back into me having to put the code in after five minutes or so, whatever. With okay. it now, with Touch ID, there you can't change the time limit. So once it goes locked, you it immediately has to be unlocked via Touch ID or code. Oh, oh. Really? Yeah. Okay. So you can't say, you know, I unlocked it. So even if I turn, if, even if I unlock it, well, I mean, touch ID, it, touch ID is easy enough. Touch to ID unlock, is easy right? enough. As, but if I if I wanted to pass it to somebody else, right. right. The um, I would like to have the option of changing the security, but it doesn't. There's only one option in the security, and it's just immediate. <laughs> it's really kind of weird. But so far, that's the only negative I have about the phone. So it's set to two minutes for that's auto different. lock. That's that's auto lock. That's different. So you mean when you actually turn it off? When you actually, if you actually press the side button. Okay. See now you can't slide it open without me. Right. Um. Yeah. Go ahead and unlock that. I have it set to my nose. My nose is now. You know, <laughs> don't have too many fingers, right? Because they can compel you to unlock your phone. Well, right now it's just my claw fingers and my nose. Mm-hmm. So, well, see, you shouldn't do both your claw fingers, right? You should have one hand that's so when you, the times the cops are compelling you, you, you should you know use your opposite hand like three or four times. Like I don't know why this isn't working. I have a better idea, and that's not put anything incriminating onto my phone. <laughs> that works too. <laughs> that works too. Um. But yeah, like they can compel you to unlock your phone, but they can't compel you to put in a password. Um, but if you like play dumb and use the wrong finger and be like, oh, this thing never works quite right. You know, it'll, after like four times, it disables the touch ID and you have to use the code anyway. Right. So, you know, that's why you should have a, a plausible throwaway finger that's not registered. If it's like, if you start using your pinky, they'll be like, come on, use your thumb. <laughs> And they make you use your thumb. I've heard about, the, I mean, the nose thing, I, I would just do it for fun. And then I read about it because I was like, well, you know, are there enough ridge in the nose for it to, for it to work? And now anybody open it. I don't know. I, I would Here, like to see. Let me try my nose. You can try to open it with your nose. So do you but, have to just, I have never used Touch ID. So do you push it, do you click it or do you just touch you, it? Or? You just touch it. Um, try again. It's not, not like in my no, nose. Not like in your nose. So there is a nose print. I think I disabled Touch ID. Yeah, see, Touch ID is disabled. It, yeah. has, it takes a code now. It needs a code now. Yeah, it worked. Oh, did it? Huh. But let's see. Let's see if I can get it open with my nose. <laughs> so now you don't have to cut off Greg's finger. You can just cut off his nose while he sleeps, and then. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> not working now, huh? No. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not surprised. But I, I had seen people, I, I, I just tweet or I tweeted, I, I Googled afterwards about the nose. because like, is the nose print secure? And apparently people are using it because I think it's really cold. Uh-huh. You have gloves on or something. Oh, right, right. And you can use your... <laughs> Seems a little silly. But it doesn't even work, so I'm <laughs> not really worried about it. When it's really cold and you have your conductive gloves on, mm-hmm. it's probably just easier to enter the code. Probably. Than to use your nose. But what if you want to buy something? Ah. Do you really want your nose buying things? Do you trust your nose enough to let it buy things? Yeah, I trust my nose enough. It's right here. <laughs> I mean, it, it really can't do much. Sometimes you me. can't see what's right in front of your nose, though. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I, I I love the phone. It's fantastic. It's a beautiful. It's a beautiful device too. You didn't get the gold one. No, I didn't get the gold one. They had everything in stock. They, they said, "Wow, this is the first time they had everything in stock." So I was like, uh, "Just get the black for twenty-eight. Boom! Boom! There it is. Six plus. That's a sexy phone. I just don't think I want to carry around such a big thing. Up to you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think I'll be fine with the six. Six is a great phone, too. Yeah, I think, actually, I might go out tomorrow and get it. I'm not sure. Heather told me to wait till this weekend, so I guess payday was probably this week. And, uh... You even know when your payday is? Heather takes care of the bills, man. Jeez. Okay. Okay, so we tried to land on a comet. Well, we did. And we did, and we were successful. Now, I I heard something on the news, just a brief thing yesterday, where they were frantically trying to pull the data off before the batteries drained. Right. And they said something about the solar cells. Did it... So, I don't... The things I don't know is, what was the mission? Mm -hmm. And... Because they were talking about the solar cells and frantically trying to pull data off it, did it land in a shadow or something? Or Well, so a very interesting thing happened. Let's see if I can pick up the, the picture that I saw because it was a pretty... It's a really Okay, yeah, this is, a, this is a great picture. So this is a picture, it's on the Reddit uh, astronomy page, of the comet as compared to Los Angeles. Okay. So you get an idea of scale. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty big comet. Right. Uh, it's out way, way out. It's way out. Um, I think it's around. It's, it's closer to Mars than it is to Earth. It's um, it takes about a half an hour for the radio signal right, to yeah. get back. And we actually sent this mission ten years ago. It was launched ten years ago. And this is it had to swing around Earth a couple of times, swing around Mars a couple of times to get gravitational zoom to get there. It was since it was asleep for a while, and it finally got there, and it's been orbiting this comet mm-hmm. for I think I think over a year. I'm not quite certain on that, but the idea was going to land also a probe onto the comet, mm-hmm. and so even though this comet is very big, with in you know in regards to like Los Angeles, it doesn't have a lot of gravity as you might expect. It's pretty small in right. comparison to mm-hmm. the Earth. You're you would weigh point zero one what you do on Earth. So that means this lander, which probably weighs six or seventy pounds on Earth, weighs about six tenths of a pound. About four ping pong balls. About well, one hundredth. You said point zero one, so that's one hundredth. Yeah. So six tenths of a pound. That's more than four ping pong balls. Right. I, well, so I may be wrong about the okay. about the weight of, of of the lander. Anyway, but but uh, 
that's what I read is is four ping pong balls give you an idea of how much it weighs mm-hmm. on that thing. So the amount of attraction that right, it has yeah, to the right. to so, the object. So they're so you know they thought of this. I knew this was going to happen. So the plan was has had three ways of of getting in there once it it would deploy from the satellite and float down really slowly really slow like seven, seven hours seven hours to get to that and then once it touched down it was supposed to fire off a sort of a small thruster at the top to push it into the rock fire harpoons right. otherwise the, the recoil of the harpoons would cause the thing right. to go off into space and it had three landing struts that would then screw into mm-hmm. the comet right so as they were getting ready to launch it, they realized that the thruster wasn't working. Okay. So, but if the harpoons worked, it wouldn't really have been that a problem. So they're like, all right, well, yeah. Well, because the mass of the harpoons are much smaller than the mass of the thing. So right. it, and you could it's, it's kind of like the, the recoil on a gun. And yeah. the force of the harpoons, while a lot is not as much as a bullet on a gun, right? So, yeah, it's not going to shoot away. I mean, it's, it away. You know, it, it's, it's Newton's yeah. third law. I mean, it right. will, but anyway. But, yeah. So, it's... So, Sandy has a flywheel in it that span up so that it wouldn't fall into a... Because it didn't have any thrusters on it as mm-hmm. it was falling. So, they have a flywheel so it maintains its attitude mm-hmm. as it's coming down. It doesn't tip over. Well, the problem is that the thrust... That the harpoons, they don't know why they didn't fire. So... It actually hit the ground and bounced. And it bounced. For, it took about an hour for it to hit again. Really? Yeah, because that doesn't weigh a lot. There's not a lot of gravity. Uh-huh. And then it bounced, and for another 40 minutes or so, it bounced again. Okay. And it landed kind of with one thing up in the air. One of its, you know, things up in the air uh-huh. in a very shady part of the comet. So it had solar panels on it. Those panels are not getting enough solar power. It has a battery on it. They had to do all their stuff on that battery. And they could not refire the... They didn't know why the harpoons were firing. They didn't know if they wanted to retry it mm-hmm. and possibly get it even to worse position. So they did all the pictures and they ran a drill and all the stuff as much as they could and then sent the last burst of data back to Rosetta before the battery died. They're hoping that maybe at some point when it gets closer to the sun... That area will get more sun and it'll be able to charge up its batteries again. Mm-hmm. But right now, it's done. It's done its job. So now it's just a piece of interstellar litter. Basically. But, I mean, landing on a comet is something amazing. <laughs> it is, yeah. This is a primordial piece of the solar system. Pretty much untouched. So did they get all the data that they wanted off? Or I think they did. Okay, cool. I mean, we'll find out later, you know, what... To what extent, you know, they got... I mean, they could, they could have done more drilling, obviously. But still, it's a cool first step. <laughs> I read some very funny thing where there was... I don't know whether it was actually that way, but there was someone who... Someone in the... Someone was quoted in, in the government as saying, why are we wasting whatever million dollars to land on a comet so far away? And then... They were told, no, it's a European mission. It's not an American mission. And so they said, well, why didn't America do it first? <laughs> it sounds apocryphal to me. It sounds like something 
so we would make up that seems just real enough to be fake, but still mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of gives you an idea of the fucking nonsense that happens po- politically here. Right. Yeah. Um, I think I had a couple things. Uh, oh, we got that new game, the game you just played. Oh, yeah. Small World. Um, we're looking for games for Christmas, and uh, there's no point in keeping the game all wrapped up. She's going to have enough crap to open on Christmas, yeah. right? So we opened it today, and uh, Allie, Max, and I played a game. It's a, it's it's eight and up, so it's really too complex for Max. But he likes sitting there. Why help him do his move and whatnot? And it's the kind of game where I can play his player, play my player, and it's not really a conflict of interest, right? Where like other games, like you really can't do that, right? <laughs> you can't play checkers with Max, and <laughs> right, right. Actually, when I actually Max does like to play checkers, and when I play with checkers, I um. I usually do better on his side than my side, like, you know, for like a certain part of the game and then towards the end, you know, but uh, that's just weird. You know, you can't play checkers against yourself. Um, but it, it's a fun game. It's a strategy game. And what, how would you describe it? I mean, it's kind of like a territory taking game like risk, but it's a lot more dynamic than risk. Yeah. The, the interesting thing about it is, is the, the dynamics that are built into it because, the way it works, you have to conquer certain areas, and your guys have certain abilities to conquer certain areas, and how much... And you get certain amounts of victory coins based on various properties. But the thing that makes it interesting is that after a certain amount of time, you have to choose other guys, because you run out of your ability to use those Yeah, guys. Your, your armies that you get for your, your guys are finite. Yeah. And one, after you take over so much land, they're spread too thin to be effective for anything. So what you do is you choose to put that society in decline, and then you kind of just sit there until they're defeated, right? Well, you don't just sit there until they're defeated. You, you get new guys. Right. Those guys stay and, and collect coins while they're still around, but you don't, you can't move them. But then you get new guys. But the thing is that your new guys and your and their special power are randomized. So mm-hmm. that makes it... You, you have a choice of certain options, but all those options are randomized at the beginning of the game. So your armies and what functions they have totally changes your method of attack from, from game to game. So it has all these different mm-hmm. things built in that, that randomizes all the activities, which makes it hard to plan a certain way of attack. Yeah, I mean, there's other games where... A great, a great example, even though it's a child's game, is... Uh, the uh, Catan Jr., right? There's just enough variables in there that there's... I find myself playing the game the same way every Mm -hmm. single time. I expand over the same path. And, you know, in Settlers of Catan, the adult version of the game, there's enough variability. You don't find yourself playing the same way every game. But for the child's game, there's really one good way to play it, you know? Unless someone shows me a better strategy, but there doesn't seem to be one as far as I can tell. Uh, but with this game, there's there's really not... Stra- I mean, there there is some strategy, but you have to like... It's, it's more like poker, right? Because like when you're picking your next civilization, your new armies, right? Mm-hmm. You have to look at what's available to you 
and well, you have to know how those things play out. Like, like you, you know that like the orcs do this, but if the orcs get this special ability mixed in, like that might be awesome. Yeah. You know? There's also a level where I kind of have to play against two people because I'm playing against Jeff, and Jeff is playing. But he's also half playing Allison, and he's all, and he's taking Allison and saying, "You should attack Greg here. You should attack I, Greg here." So I was trying. So I may have may have I was making an effort, not. I was trying to randomize whether I said you first or me first, right? Like I was I was showing Ellie the three or four properties where the defenses were lowest, right? And I was not not pointing my I was pointing myself out as well as Greg. And I was trying. No, well, you weren't, but that was because you never really were in conflict. You, you oh, and Allie okay. were basically never touching. Okay. So it wasn't a situation where. Well, there was a couple times that she had a choice between me and you. There was maybe one time. No, there was like three or four turns. I don't think so. No. There's only nine turns in the okay. game. There was there were several turns where she had a choice, and there was the one turn where she did me and she did you right. So, but like I was trying not to, I. I didn't mind it. Right. I, I wasn't like upset about it, but it, uh, it, it was it, it added a, le- a level of competition. I, I, I get you. I get you. And there was the, also the impression you started out so strongly. Like you know, I tried. I also tried not to influence Allison with this, but you started out so strongly that if I had a choice of attacking Max or attacking you, I was going to try to attack you. So you your growth of points right. didn't get out of control, right? And I was like, you know, that's something Allison would need to appreciate to be a really sure, good player. Sure, I understand that, but, but you also yeah. had the advantage then because you were attacking me and you that had was... Allison attacking me <laughs> and you were the one who won. Think about it. Right. I don't know how <laughs> I ended up commuting. I mean, I did. But I was surprised when I counted them up. Yeah. I, I wasn't, I didn't think I had won until I had counted them up. I thought I was in, I think with like two turns ago, I thought I felt I was in third place. Well, that, it added another level to the game. I mean, we were playing on a four-level board, and then Max dropped out after three turns, so it changed the dynamics of the game also. When when Allison, Max, and I played a three-player game earlier, Max actually stayed the whole game, we went through, like, four different army civilizations, you know, four different species, um, where in ours we only did two, you know, and I'm like, it was weird because we weren't, our armies were lasting longer mm-hmm. than they did in the first game. I, I was kind of surprised by that because in the first game it seemed like you used them and they were spent really quickly and you moved on to the next one and like for all of us our starting declined civilization we're still collecting points on the last turn yeah in the first game like they had gone through a whole cycle and they were none of them were there anymore so definitely definitely a different game than the first one with the three player board and three players so it's neat. There's a lot of expansion packs. Um, Greg, you know, Greg mentioned we should uh, have a tabletop game night, get some people together. I'd be all for that. Uh, like, I we're actually, you know, we're accumulating these good adult games now. I got Settlers of Catan. I got this one. We got other games we got for Allison for well for Christmas. One is a Ticket to Ride. It's a train game that gets really high reviews. It's right up there with Catan and how popular it is, and. The other one, I don't know. It's probably not so much for Allison. It might have been for me. It's uh, called Pandemic. Um, <laughs> it's about Ebola. It kind of is. Um, 
the description, but you know, I looked it up on Amazon and, you know, a couple people were comparing it. Like it's like risk, but fun, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. So, um, it's a, it's a global mapping, controlling territory type game or making territory safe, perhaps, you know, since it's, it, since you're worried about pandemics and whatnot, I don't know. But so I got that game as well. I, speaking of Ebola, I just want to point out how awesomely right I was. <laughs> You were pretty right. About spreading of Ebola. I mean, it turns out that if you have U.S. care, it really isn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Everyone except for the first guy was cured of it. Right. And we had a total of, I think, nine people in the U.S.? Is it? I don't. I think it was a total of nine, or maybe nine U.S. people were infected, something like that. Very small, and we haven't had any blips since. Yeah, I, I think the can't Mal- say the same for Molly though. Mal- it spread the Molly now. They're trying to oh, track down all the well, people. Oh, yeah, I mean, well, that's <sighs> that's kind of what you mentioned too, though. You were right about that. You said to be more spread in in Africa. Not much here. You should be a pundit. Well, no, because I'm not good at the reactionary stuff. That's the problem. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't that I'm, oh, look at how smart Greg is. It's just that it, the pattern was there if you looked at it close enough. It, just, it, it, was, it was very clear that this this was not a very communicable disease. So... They were, I, was, I was listening to an interview and... Maybe it was the interview with uh, with Powers from the United Nations when she was on Daily Show. Maybe that's where I heard this. But, you know, like, the dealing with the dead bodies was not very good early on. And I guess part of culture is, you know, lots of hugging the dead body and mm-hmm. stuff like that, Washing right? Washing yourself with the blood of the dead. I mean... Oh, really? Yeah. I, I didn't even know Putting that Putting your that hands in the blood. Yeah. That's not good. No. No, that's that's not good. Um, so yeah, once they got the, uh, you know, control of the bodies, you know, um, things got a lot more sane over there, apparently. Hey, there's some beer sitting there. There is some beer sitting there. You want to get into them? I think we should get in them. Let's get in those beers. Mm, get in them beers. Up in them beers, guts. <laughs> Did you see that picture of um... too many cooks? Oh my god! Okay, I'm gonna say that for the post show. I think we could play it. We could play it in, in the sound bed and talk about it. And... Um, I think it's a post show thing. You think so? I think it is. All right. I know. I feel it. It's a post show thing. Okay. But that Kim Kardashian thing. The thing with her ass and it's yes. Did you see the the Allagash thing on it? Probably, I think I saw something tweeted on it where the dude was had the glass balanced on his boot and he was shooting out of the sampling oh. port of the fermenter and was shooting over landing in the glass. Yes, I did see that. Yes, it's pretty yes. good. If you haven't seen that, look up the Allagash break the internet. Too many 